Guys, this is uh, my friend. This is my friend Ashley. Um, we've been married uh, for 13 years. <clears throat> That's 13 years of our life spent together. Okay? Now, it could have been 16. It could have been 16 years, but she ran from me for like three years. And, and I tried to convince her over and over and over again that we were going to get married one day. And then finally she gave in. So we could have had 16, but we're sitting here at 13. Um, and here we are. And like most people, uh, we had no idea what to expect when uh, we were getting married. And we had no idea what marriage was going to look like. We both said, I do. And then we figured that we would figure the rest of this out as we went along, right? We, because you say, I do, and then you just kind of go out and you start doing, right? You just start being married. You figure it out as you go along. And, and I, I think for both of us, the thing that we wanted more than anything else was that we wanted a good marriage, right? We didn't care like how we got down that road. We just knew that we wanted a, a good marriage. And we didn't know how we were actually going to get there. We just knew like, hey, we want a good marriage, but not just a good marriage. We want a marriage that's going to be honoring to the Lord. We, want a, we wanted a marriage that was going to point people to Jesus. Uh, we, we got married together to one another because we literally thought, yeah, together. Um, uh, her and I, that's how, that's how we do that. Um, we got married and we thought, that we literally would be better together than we were apart. And, and I can say, you know, 13 years down the road, it was a good decision because I am so much better because she's in my world. And I think that she might be willing to say the same thing. Most days, yeah. <laughs> Most yes. days. Yes, absolutely. Um, but we wanted a good, a good, good marriage. We just had no idea how incredibly hard it was going to be. See, getting married... Like the initial step of getting married, that's the easiest part of marriage, isn't it? It's everything that comes after that that takes work. Walking down the aisle, like getting everything ready, that's stressful, right, ladies? Like you're, like you're spending time on the flower, you're spending time, you're like, dude, like help me think through this stuff. He's like, well, I can help a little bit, but you're going to veto power me anyway. Um, and so I want to be involved. But that's the easiest part. But once you walk down the aisle and you look at each other and you say, I do, now it becomes work. And it's, it's not... It's, it's, it's hard work. It, it's not like unenjoyable work, but it's, it takes work. It's, it's, it's hard work. And so what happened was when we first got married, like we started off in this, this puppy love stage, right? Like who's been in the puppy love stage, right? With your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend. <clears throat> and in that puppy love stage, like God is so gracious because he gives us something in our brains called dopamine, right? It's, it's the same thing that happens in your brain. Like when you take, when, like you take a shot of crack, I don't know that, um, but I've been told that, right? You're like, well, thank God he doesn't know that. Um, hey, we got a pass. That's good. The dopamine um, good. Yeah, so the dopamine. Back to the dopamine. <laughs> God has given us this dopamine in our brains because if we didn't have that, like we would see everything negative. Nobody would ever get married if this wasn't a gift from God because dopamine, what it does, it has you acting like, man, I don't see anything that's wrong with my spouse. I don't see anything wrong with the person that I'm dating. Everything new that I, I find out about my spouse is like, I want that. Like, I want, I, like it's, it's all good. But then, like, it's, like, dopamine has you doing some crazy stuff, man. Like, you just, you just don't see anything. But then after a while, after the beginning stages of marriage, after the beginning stages of a long relationship, that dopamine begins to settle down. And now you're not looking through rose-colored glasses anymore. Not every, everything isn't perfect and great. Now you're starting to see flaws. Now you're starting to see the stuff that was always there from the very beginning, but you just couldn't see it. It was, it was cute to you, or it was, it was awesome uh, to you. And uh, what happens then 
is as the dopamine begins to wear down, then responsibility in your life begins to, to pick up. You start working uh, a little bit more. You start uh, paying a few more bills. Um, before, like you had all the time in the world to be like investing in all the mushy stuff of, of relationships. Like, oh baby, like I, I'm, I'm going to pamper you. I'm going to take you to the movies. I'm going to take you to do all that th stuff that you want to do. Like there, there's time for that because that's the only thing on your mind. But then responsibility begins to kick up. You start to work because it's become a little bit harder. Bills are, are beginning to stack up. And if we're honest, those bills now, not only are they they're more numerous, becoming harder to pay, um, diapers come in when kids start coming in and diapers stink and so you're fighting about who's going to change the diapers you're, you're wondering like how this budget is going to work out you've got practices now that are all over on the calendar um, you, you're just like man where are we going to even have time to see one another you've got bedtime stories for us we've got uh, like a bazillion therapies that we're going to there's hospital visits that you don't expect there's food prep there's friendships that you're trying to maintain along the way there's yards to mow right some of y'all mow your yards like there's <laughs> yards to mow there's maintenance to, to happen inside the house and all this is is ramping up and this is called the grind this is the grind of life and life really is the grind but here's what happens. If we're not careful, like the grind begins to take over and no longer do you see yourself as, hey, we're in the midst of this grind together. You begin to see your spouse as the grind or you begin to see your marriage as the grind. The one who makes life difficult and the one who makes life hard for you. No longer is this a partner that I'm going through this with. Now she's the grind or I'm the grind. And what can happen in the grind is that you begin to lose the giddy-up out of your marriage. You, you, you begin to lose all the fun elements, that, the things that like, are really kind of magnetic for, for you, and that begins to wane. And then all you're left with is like, we're just struggling through life. We're like, next thing, next thing, next thing, and next thing. And then you're, you're saying, man, we want to have fun. We want to enjoy life together. But the grind just keeps getting in the way. It won't let us have fun together. So I want you to raise your hand like, if you know about the grind. If you, if you feel like you've ever experienced a grind or you're in the grind right now, yeah. Yeah, hold your hand up. Don't put it back down. You're like, I was, I never, but I'm not, you know. Like, be, it's okay, right? You don't have to be married to feel the grind. Yes. We all feel the grind yeah. of life and the pressure on us. So you, you look around the room. You're not in a boat alone in the midst of the grind. You're in a community of people, whether you're single or whether you're married, who are in this kind of grind together. We live in it. Um, the, and the grind is just life. And, and healthy people go, don't just run away from the grind, right? They go through the grind. Mm -hmm. uh, we have discovered this side of heaven, the grind's not going away. So we have to figure out how to, to cope with that and to still enjoy life and not run away from those responsibilities. <clears throat> There's a lot of theories and strategies we've tried get things off the calendar, change bedtime so we have a little more time together, reprioritize, or we look at each other. If you would just get rid of that, our marriage would be better. If you would get rid of that, if you'd stop volunteering there, everything here would be better. And what we've come to learn is just because the circumstances are different, it doesn't change this. We, we had to really stop and have a paradigm shift in our minds about all of those things. And you start asking questions like, why aren't we having fun? Why doesn't this feel great? Why aren't we doing all those little romantic things anymore? And it's, it's because of that grind, but changing those circumstances may not happen 
So we have to figure out new strategies for how we were still going to connect with those responsibilities and with all of those things on our plate. So uh, a, few, a few years back, like six, eight years back, somewhere in that time frame, um, we were feeling like the pinch of it, right? Like we were, we were doing life together, but we were beginning to feel like we're just kind of on parallel tracks, but we're not on the same track together. And, and so we were feeling the pressure of that. And so we said, we've got to do something about this. And so we started looking for uh, positive, like we were, we were in the word, we were growing together in the word, but we're like, we want people around us. We've got to find resources that are speaking positively into marriage. Um, resources uh, and books and people, like we wanted to surround ourselves um, with that, with people who weren't just saying, hey, things are hard, like abandon the ship, like the thing's going down, just jump overboard. We were wanting, we were wanting to get people around us that said, hey, don't abandon the ship, fix the ship. Like start patching the holes, start figuring out like how do you get this thing better? And so we started looking around and by God's grace, we found um, a guy named Ted Cunningham. I've talked about him uh, a couple different times before, um, but uh, Ted is a, he's a pastor in Branson, Missouri, and he is a huge proponent for, for marriage. Like he goes and he speaks about marriage, he teaches about marriage. I think he, he teaches like once a, once a month. So if, if y'all are bothered right now that we're talking about marriage and you're single or like you're, you're in a bad relationship, I want you to know like, like this is a good thing um, that we're talking about marriage because it doesn't matter if you're single or, or married or you're in a bad marriage. Like God is, is called us to esteem and to honor marriage. And so uh, as we're like sitting uh, and, and looking for resources, we, we found Ted. And, and with Ted, um, we found, uh, we almost found like a, a, a tour guide or a navigator in, in the midst of uncharted waters for us. Um, because we were in an area like, we don't know what to do next. Uh, we don't know what's up. And so we found Ted, and he became kind of like this, this navigator who's been through the grind before. He's been in uncharted areas where, there, where we haven't yet been. And when you're trying to navigate through something on your own, like you realize, I'm hitting blocks that I didn't expect to be there. But if you find somebody, a mentor, or you find some resources to, to help carry you through that process, you realize, I, I've, I've got a navigator who's been there before, and he knows where the turns are. He knows where the, the, hard, the hard roads are. And, and so knowing that we were in the midst of this grind and we didn't want to stay there, we, we started looking for help. And what we want to do this morning is we just want to share with you with some things that we found. And, and here's what I don't want uh, our time this morning to be. Like, Ashley and I, like, we don't have the perfect marriage, right? Uh, for y'all who know us uh, deeply and intimately, you know. You like, already we, know that. <laughs> like, we don't have the perfect marriage at all. We don't have all the answers um, for, for marriage by, by any stretch of the imagination. So as we're sitting up here, we're not coming from a position of, like, we figured life out. We figured out how to do marriage well, and we want you to do what we do. What we want to do is we want to share with you the things that we found that were helpful to us in our marriage. Because although we don't have the perfect marriage, I do feel like we've got a really, really good marriage. And, and I would say like we've got a great marriage. And it's, not, and it's not because we just backed into it. It's because we learned some things and we started implementing the things that, that we've learned. So knowing that we can't escape the grind and trying to use those resources to help us connect in spite of that, we kind of needed a, a paradigm shift. So we needed to let go of some of the um, Disney-created illusions and expectations and just kind of figure out in reality how we could think differently about each other. And there's three areas I feel like um, that has been impacted the most. The first one is how we esteem each other. The second one is how we enjoy each other. And the third one is just how we elevate or prioritize our relationship above all the other earthly relationships 
that we get to have. When we were preparing for this um, in the last couple of weeks, I asked one of our kids, what does it mean to esteem someone? And without hesitation, they responded, you be kind with your words and you tell the other person the truth about who they are. And I have to tell you, that gripped my heart because I'm like, yes, that's what marriage is for. That's what our friendships are for as believers. It's so we can have an opportunity to speak into other people's life the truth about who they really are. And it's very hard to do that if you're only focusing on the flaws or you're only focusing on the grind and the circumstances. You lose your vision. So you've got to go back to foundational truths when you're in those places. And in marriage, I feel like we have to do that constantly. It's a constant choice. Go back to truth. And so I go back to the beginning. You go all the way back to creation, how things were designed. And in Genesis 127, God makes man and he makes woman and he says, I've created them and I've created both of them in my image. And what that means is that we are both equally valuable. We both deserve respect from one another and from other people. And we should be giving that respect to one another and to other people. And um, in verse 26, it, God says, let's make man in our image. And I don't want people to miss that word because God in his very essence and nature is relational. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're all created with a need for relationships, whether it's friendships or in community or in marriage, we, we have kind of love meters that need to, be, need to be filled. And so, I love that he says that because that's why each of us are relational. That's why we have that. It's part of God's beautiful design and how we're created in his image and like him. Um, for any of you that are in a spot right now that is like you're living in the grind, we are in the grind with you. Mm. I wish you could have seen our week, truthfully. Our so, morning. Gosh. Well, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> I, so again, as Anthony said, like we just, we want to share with you just an opportunity to come back to the truth with us because we need that and we're suspecting that probably a lot of you do too. So if you're struggling in relationships right now, whether that's your marriage or a tricky friendship or a relationship with a parent or a sibling or a coworker, I would just encourage you to step into scripture. The New Testament is packed with passages about who you are with Christ. Anthony was like, could you just hone in on one? And I'm like, no, it's the whole story. It's everywhere. Why are you going to put me on blast like that? Well, I just had to. I'm sorry. We'll pat it out. First Corinthians 1 and 2, I mean, we're told that we have the mind of Christ, that, that the spirit inside us as believers helps us understand all of the characteristics that he's freely given to us. Those are the things he's put inside of us that are like himself. Um, he also tells us that he will sustain us to the end. And our life group has been studying through Colossians, so big shout out to um, them. I'm going to read some verses that we just went through in Colossians because they speak, I, they don't specifically say they're speaking to marriage, but this speaks to marriage, and I'll, I'll help try to explain how. This is in Colossians 2, 8 through 10. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. And the reason I wanted to share this verse is there is a lot of misconceptions in our culture about what relationships are supposed to be or what they're supposed to do for us. <clears throat> Your spouse isn't supposed to complete you. They're not supposed to make you happy. 
Christ fills you as a believer, and he fills you all the way. So my mind works best with pictures, and I'm usually teaching kids, so bear with me, because I want to show you kind of what this looks like. And I hope it's going to be helpful. If it's not, just tune out for a minute, sip your coffee. Thinking about not needing to be filled by other people is really freeing for all of our relationships. So if this were me, when Christ came into my life, he filled me. He's the blue Kool-Aid. He's the sweet stuff, okay? And he fills us to the very brim with himself. What that means is that he gives us his love. He gives us his patience. He gives us his ability to forgive and to look at people with compassion and with value and with love that we couldn't conjure on our own, okay? And then we have an amazing opportunity when he is our source of all of those things to pour it out in other relationships. These people in my life are needy. I don't know if any of you know needy people, but my people be needy. They're very needy. This pretty fancy glass represents my husband. He's a big guy, and I love him so much. And it's part of my honor to pour into his life. I pray for him. I encourage him. I want to edify him. I want to push him towards Christ. I give to him constantly. We've been blessed. Some days it feels like a curse with three little people, okay? And they take a ton of energy as I'm trying to pour into them truth about who they are and how loved they are and how precious they are. Those of you that are distracted right now that this is a shot glass, it is, okay? And that is because <laughs> even with Jesus, I need some shots of espresso to keep up with my little people. But our family, our immediate little sweet den of people are not the only people that take things from my life. I have mom and dad. I got five brothers and sisters. I married into his family, so I love them dearly, but there's also pouring out that goes into that relationship. And we have ministry, and we serve, and we have friendships outside of these things, and we give in our community. And I also added in work. And there's a lot of people that need love at work, especially the one that I really love extra okay so it doesn't take a lot to point out that like my jug is getting empty <laughs> and if it were all dependent on me to produce all of these things that I pour out for other people I would be exhausted mm -hmm. and I would give up and I would look at you and I would blame you for the expectations that are just too high for me or that you're not pouring enough back into me to keep giving but when I recognize that Christ has filled me with everything that I need for all of these people, I can run back to him as my source. He can keep refilling. And the beautiful thing about him is he doesn't run dry. His love isn't going to run out. His strength isn't going to run out. He's going to help me keep seeing the needs and having wisdom on how to keep pouring out to all of these people. And when I run to him as the source, I will have so much freedom in my relationships. This frees you from competition with each other. It frees you from comparison with other people. Um, I feel like it's freed us a ton from expectations. Like, it's just, woo! I'm not expecting you to be my savior or to fill me up all the time. There's a great shift that happens when you see him as the source. The other thing I found that's really beautiful <clears throat> is it allows you, whether it's in friendships or in marriage, to experience love with people that you could not create on your own. God's love is so much deeper than ours, and so getting to experience that has been really powerful for us. Um, 
He is sufficient and he gives everything that he needs. The, the next verse that I wanted to share that has really stood out to me is Second uh, Peter 1, 3. And that verse just says, he has given us divine power for all things that pertain to life and godliness. And I love this verse, but I want to just remind all of us that it's not lost on relationships. He has given us enough for these relationships and for all that he has called us to. So just keep that in mind. Your spouse, if you're married, is a great gift to you. Your friendships can be a great gift to you. Your family can be a great gift to you. But if you're expecting them to be the source, you're going to live in a lot of disappointment and self-protection, and you're not going to be able to enjoy people well in that space. Christ is the only one that can be that source of sufficiency for you. Dang, isn't that good? Yeah. I get, I get to be married to her, guys. Yeah, what, a, what a, a blessing. If you saw me this morning, it didn't look like a blessing. <laughs> there you go. Now, here, here's what happens. Uh, when we choose to esteem our spouse, or I choose to esteem my spouse, know, knowing that she's not meant to fill my cup, and I was never meant to fill her cup, she's not meant to be my savior, I'm not meant to be her savior at all, um, that frees us up to enjoy each other exactly the way that they were designed. Like, I'm free to enjoy her, knowing that she's not filling my cup and I'm not filling hers. I'm free to look at her and say, man, like, you are quirky, you um, are goofy sometimes, you are funny, and you are awesome. And I'm able to see her, like, God designed you in his image and has given you the differences and the distinctions that make her who she is. And I don't have to fight against those differences because they're not the same thing that, that, that I would do or the thing that I would do. The things that sometimes make us feel like we're in the grind because they're not doing it the way that we would want her to do it or him to do it. Like, I'm free just to simply enjoy her for how God has designed her, which is a good thing because he's designed her really, really well. And, I, and, and, and I'm free to not to try to pretend, right? I, I don't have to try to pretend because I know that she sees me as, as made in the image of God too. And so there's no room for, t- for pretending. Now, here's what happened in Genesis chapter 1. Like in Genesis chapter 1, life was perfect, man. Like there was nothing wrong with creation. Genesis 2, life was perfect. There was nothing wrong in creation. The relationship was beautiful across the board. The relationship was beautiful with the Lord. And then in chapter 3, things go south. And then when sin enters into the world, everything gets wonky. Relationships with the Lord get wonky. Relationships with each other get wonky. And in that distress, what begins to happen is now, holy crap, you're naked. Oh, you're naked too. Thing that, this thing that just being uncovered and enjoying one another. It, I, for some of y'all, you just got weird because I said naked, right? Um, but, but, what, come out again. But, what, but what happens in, in, that, in the midst of that sin is people start covering up. There's shame that enters in. There's guilt that comes in. There's covering and hiding that comes in. But when I understand that my, I'm sourced in Christ and she's sourced in Christ and I can see her that she's made in the image of God. Now I don't have to pretend. I don't have to hide anything. I don't have to try to pretend that I'm anything that, that God hasn't wired. I don't have to pretend to like the things that she likes. Like I can enjoy the fact that she likes them but it has, doesn't have to be my thing. And you don't have to, I don't have to club her over the head because she doesn't like the things that I like. Like we, we are free to enjoy each other the way that God has designed us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and here's the thing too. Not only are we called to esteem each other and to hold each other is highly valuable, but we're to enjoy the marriage that God has given to us. Now, now, some of you might be in the room right now, you're like, I don't even like sitting next to the guy that I'm sitting next to. 
I don't even enjoy sitting next to the gal that I'm sitting next to right now. Man, my, our relationship is, is such a struggle. We are in this grind so deeply that it makes life really, really difficult. And, and to, the very idea of talking about esteeming or enjoying one another is not the thing that, that you're like, I, I, I just don't, I, I, I don't enjoy. I don't want to be, like, I, it's better when we're kind of running and doing our, our, our own things. Here, here's the thing that, that, I, that I would say, that it's not an option for us, that we are called to enjoy our spouse together. And, and, and see, sometimes life gets crazy. It starts to feel like your spouse is the grind. She's not the grind. He's not the grind. But life gets crazy and it makes it feel like that. And we forget that, that we are able to enjoy the things that we used to enjoy with one another. And here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to, to think about Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Because this is... Um, the, like God has written about uh, marriage all throughout Scripture. It, it was His design. It was His good idea. And it's something that uh, speaks to the relationship between uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, the unity that's there. But it also speaks into the unity that we have with Him, that the bride has with, um, with, with, with Christ as the church, right? And, and so, but in Ecclesiastes, there's this, there's this space where um, uh, Solomon says, enjoy life with your wife. So only, it's the only passage in Scripture where it specifically talks about enjoying your spouse. So there's, there's other passages about enjoying life, but this is specifically enjoy life with your spouse. So here's what Ecclesiastes 9, 7 says. So eat your bread in joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. He's saying, like, get dressed, right? <laughs> like, like, like get, get yourself together. Look okay. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life. Maybe your text there says uh, your meaningless life that he's given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Now, here's what Solomon is doing. Solomon, he's looking out at the world, and he's saying, listen, this life is like a vapor. This life is here, and then it's gone. And God has given you this life, and not just this life, but he's given your, your, your wife or your spouse as someone or some, uh, this, this life to enjoy and giving you your spouse as something to enjoy in the midst of this life. The word meaningless there, you know what it's describing? It's describing the grind. It's the life. It, it's everything now that's happened post-fall. Like everything was perfect in the very beginning. Life was easy. It wasn't toilsome. Even the work that God gave man and, and uh, man to do on the earth, like it was a joyful thing. Like go work the land. Cool, got it, let's get it. But then when sin came in, even work becomes hard. Work becomes toilsome. And, and so what used to be something that adds joy now becomes a grind. And, and so what Solomon is saying here is like, look at this world. It's here and it's gone. Enjoy it while you're on it. Enjoy it while I've given it to you. It's a blessing. And enjoy the spouse that I've given to you in it while you're there as well. And in and, and, and this particular case, the, blace, the blessing that God has given is not only the earth, but he's given your spouse, your wife or, or your spouse. And, and, and if, for those who think like it's optional, like to enjoy your spouse, like this is, this is a mandate. Like, some of y'all feel like, uh, like it's, a, it's a good thing. Or you, you feel like your, your spouse it was given to you to suck the life out of your life, right? <laughs> like, you walk around like, man, if I didn't have her with me, 
If I didn't have him with me, I would enjoy life so much. And, and you think that just like holding yourself together by the bootstraps and just suffering through life together, maybe even holy for you because Jesus suffered, I need to suffer, and I guess he put you in my life to make me suffer, that you're making me more like you, God. Like that's not what your spouse is there to do. Like you're to enjoy the life in the midst of the grind with your spouse. She's not the grind. He's not the grind. You're doing the grind together. Don't get dirty. Don't get dirty on me, all right? Like you're, you're in the midst of this grind uh, together. And so here's what happens in our house, right? I, I tend to be somewhat goofy. And I'll, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just bust out dancing or singing in the middle of the kitchen at or any time. Or living room or any room. A, anywhere. Like, and here's like, I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't do either one of those things. But I know that sometimes she'll laugh and she'll smile when I start de- doing either one of those things. Now, there's always the risk that she's going to think I'm an idiot when I'm doing those things. And let's be honest, sometimes she does, right? She's like, dude, you're such an idiot. What are you doing? I don't but, say that. No, you don't say it like that. Okay. Just <clears throat> but there are times when I know that she'll smile. So sometimes it's like a 50-50. And so I'm like, I'm going to roll the <laughs> dice and see which one comes out. Are you going to smile or are you going to think I'm an idiot? And, and, and you know, just, to, just to get a laugh or get a smile every once in a while is, is worth it for, for me. And so what we want to do right now, like we want to give a couple, uh, a practical, to, a couple of practical things to try um, and just say, like, this, this is what it looks like for us. Um, like we don't want to waste the opportunity to do life in the grind together. Like we've talked with couples who have been married for 15 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Raise your hand if you've been married for 30 or more years in this room right now. Yes. Yeah, praise awesome. God. Praise God for you. Mm. Yeah. And some of you have went through those 30 or more years, and you're like, man, this has been great. But some of you all like, dude, like, it's a grind every day of my life. Mm-hmm. And, and you're in that space right now. Wait, raise your hand if you've been married for less than a year. Is there anybody in this room that right now has been? So we got, like, we got a couple. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had the blessing of marrying both of y'all. It's been so good. Um, to one another, not mixed things. <laughs> and so you're learning some of these things even right now, right, in this process. But we've sat with people who have said, man, we talk, like, you've been married for 30, 40, 50 years. What's the secret sauce to staying married so long? And, 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 and no joke, here, here's what they said. We, we've found our own things to do. Yikes. What do you mean you found, like, what, what they're saying is, he found his path, I found my path, and our paths never intersect. We never do life together. She's on her rail, I'm on my rail, and as long as we don't just, like, crash, like, we're doing okay. Mm-hmm. And that's not enjoying life with your spouse. That's like you finding a thing to go do, and you finding a thing to go do, never interacting with, with one another. And we said, you know, we don't want to be that couple. And I'm guessing that you don't want to be that couple either. I'm guessing that if you're married or you ever want to be married or you're thinking about, like, or if you look back and you're like, man, if I could have done that again, you'd be like, we, we would be on the same track together. And, and, and so we don't want to be that couple at all. And some, some people, like, we look at marriage and we say, man, they're, they're, they've got it all together. Like, their marriage is fantastic. I want you to know that if you see a good marriage, that they didn't back into it. They didn't accidentally have a good marriage. They've been making deposits into their marriage time and time again, all throughout their marriage, like just dropping deposits in, dropping deposits in, dropping deposits in. And the moment where you're looking at them, you're like, dang, they've got a fantastic marriage. I wish our marriage looked like that. You're seeing the fruit of faithful deposits. You're seeing them take a withdrawal in that moment, and it looks fantastic. Not because they backed into it, because they've been working at it really, really hard for a really long time. For Ashley and I, like we, we 
almost don't have anything in common, right? Like we Jesus. do, we do everything differently. Um, she's an early riser. I'm not. Like, like, and, and that's just not good. And we've clashed about that over, over the years. Like, would you come to bed earlier? Would you go to bed earlier? Would, would, would you stay up later? Um, nope. uh, she processes. Um, it takes a long time to process information. Like, hey, could we just come to a decision? I need to think about it. More. Like, okay, could you think faster? And, 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 and I tend to think and process out loud. It's like, this is, like let's just do this thing right now. Um, she energizes by sitting at home by herself and um, without kids in the room and, and just like having that time. I energize with people around. And so like it's very rarely are we ever energizing together at the same time. So there's a thousand different reasons why the differences for us could drive us apart. But in those moments where we're looking at each other's differences and saying like, like would you be more like me? Like we're called back to this place of remembering. Like you don't have to be me. I don't have to be you. I look at her and say, you are made in the image of God. You are being filled by him. And she looks at me and saying, hey, I'm being reminded right now that even though it doesn't feel like it, you are made in the image of God. And so I'm going to, call, I'm going to be called to remember that so I can, I can relish in and enjoy the differences as opposed to fighting against the differences. That's not to say that you shouldn't be trying to figure out something fun to do together, right? You should be enjoying life together. And, and for some of you, like, you think like, man, we don't have anything in common. Like we are night and day difference. And, and so here's, here's what we did. You don't have to do it, but this is what we did. Our thing, because we were, we, were, we were so different, our thing became finding things that we might have in common. And we so, just try everything. Yeah, we just try everything. Uh, and it's not that experience is going to make our life better, but when you find something to do together that you enjoy, like we, like we find adventures. We go uh, try like, putt-putt. We go try bowling. We go try sitting down with people. Like we try a thousand different things. To see. Hey, is that our thing that we enjoy together? And here's what happened. Um, we found some things over the years, but nothing that was just like, man, I'm so passionate about that with you right now. And, and, but in the past couple of years, the thing that we found was the mountains. Like we found the mountains together. And I hate driving in the mountains. Like I hate it. Y'all have heard me talk about that. It does weird things to me. But, but I love being in the mountains with her. I love hiking with her. I love adventuring with her. And so it took us 12 years to figure out that thing that we were so passionate about together. And we had joy along the way, but like our thing was, what are we gonna try to enjoy together? What, what hobbies, what, what thing are we gonna be passionate about together? We found the mountains. And so here's what I would say, is like, if you're in the midst of that grind, like, man, we don't enjoy anything together. Don't give up. Like, keep finding something. Keep looking for something to do together that you mm -hmm. commonly enjoy with one another. But listen, like, you're, you're, you're never going to get to the place where you enjoy marriage if you don't elevate it to a place of prioritization. Prioritization? By prioritizing your life. It, you've got to elevate that relationship. Yes, you do. Yes, I want you to talk about yeah. that. Yeah, okay. Um, in Genesis 2.24, this is a familiar passage. The Lord says, you know, the man shall leave his family. He shall cleave to his wife and they are going to become one flesh. So this is where we get the authority to say that this is supposed to be your most highly elevated, most earthly valuable relationship that you get to be a part of. And that's the authority. God designed it that way. You have a thousand different things pulling at you. You have work schedules. You have people. You have friends. You have interests. You have hobbies. 
There's community service you should be doing. There's ministry things you should be doing. There's lots of good, good things that you could be doing. But if you're not prioritizing this relationship above those things, it's going to be really hard to enjoy each other because what you're giving each other is often going to be the leftovers. And we say that because we've done it. So uh, we wanted to give you, an, again, like some practical things that have helped us fight through that. And we stole these. So you may have heard us use them before. Um, Ted has shared them, but he stole them too. So the original source, I think, is Smalley. Yeah, but anyway. Regardless, this is kind of a formula that has just been quick to remember that we have tried to put into practice. Sometimes we do it more consistently than others, but following kind of a few pauses has helped us to reconnect and just remind each other, you are a priority to me. <laughs> Even when it feels like we've been interrupted a thousand times, someone's pulling on me, the phone is ringing, you're off to another meeting or, or to pray with someone or, or there went dinner, whatever the situations may be. These are just kind of like some grounding places yeah. for us. So, so Ted said there are three things that every, every married couple needs. Three things. He said, first, every couple needs a daily delay. They need a weekly withdrawal, and they need an annual abandon. That's a daily delay, a weekly withdrawal, and an annual abandon. And, and, here, and here's how this works. Um, the daily delay is it's 15 minutes of eyeball-to-eyeball eyeball time. Uh, you come home from work, you come home from wherever it is that you've spent time away from, your spouse, you come home and say, baby, it's you and me. We're going to sit down, we're going to talk, I want to hear about your day. Because she's going through things in her day while you've been gone at work, or, why, or, or, or she's been off at work and you've been sitting at home, however that works out in your house. Like, like you have each had your own experiences, and so you come home and say, hey, how was your day? Tell me about what's going on in your life. Like, hey, show, like, what was high for you today? What was low for you today? Let me into your world. Because she's impacted by the things that are going on in her world. And unless you know the things that she's being impacted by, like, it's going to come off at some point. You're like, whoa, what, where'd that come from? And, 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 and you're impacted by the things that you're going through in your life, too. And so she needs to know about the things that, that you're working through, too. So this is 15 minutes. And this is hard, y'all, right? Because you come home and you've got kids that are pulling at you if you've got kids. You've got work schedules that are keeping you apart from one another. And you come home like, you're tired. Like, I, don't, I just want to sit down and watch a television. I just want to like, I don't want to deal with that right now. But like, this is so crucial. So fight through that. Have that daily time where you're saying, hey, we're together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, the second one is the weekly withdrawal. This is a really fancy way for saying date night. If you do the daily delay, date night will be so much better. I do not want to confess to you how many date nights for us have been ruined because they became the daily delay. If you want to ruin a date night with me, bring up the budget one more time. Let's talk about children and what discipline thing needs to happen or the calendar. That, I've ruined a lot of date nights on the calendar. Yeah. But anyway, if you do the daily delay, you can leave that stuff out of your date night. And the date night is supposed to be intentional time to try to enjoy each other. You should play. You should be silly. You should go do something that's not task-oriented. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't even have to leave your house. But really, it's like, I'm setting aside this time. We are both making it a priority. We're putting our phones away. We're turning the phones off. Whatever you have to do to say, I am determined I'm not going to be interrupted as much as within my power during this time to just celebrate you and to have fun and to remember that we, we did like each other and, and just to reconnect on that. So that's the weekly withdrawal. And if you get the weekly withdrawal right, fellas, just saying. Don't say naked again. Move on. If you get the <laughs> weekly withdrawal right, 
you might get the weekly withdrawal right. All right? Fill in that however you want. But then the, the annual abandon is something it needs to be on your calendar. Something, you know, every year that you're looking forward to together. That you are like, man, baby, like, what do you think about this? Where should we go? What should we do? And it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be like, but this is time where you say, you know what? We're putting this on the calendar and we are invested into this thing. And so we're looking forward to it throughout the year. And, and you're making those plans together because there's anticipation that's building and you're looking forward to something together. Um, we've had some really, and this is not your kids, okay? You're not taking your kids on this because you might be naked during that time, okay? So, so don't bring your kids, you don't wanna scar them for life. Like this is like, we're getting away, we're, we're away from the, the, prior, like the normal priorities of life, this is you and me together. And, and, and so like, again, it doesn't have to be expensive, it just has to be something that you're looking forward to together. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of a getaway. Yeah. yeah. That antis- I think anticipating things together and dreaming together keeps some of that love and romance alive, yeah. so. So that, that's kind of what we have uh, for, for this morning, t- uh, take it or leave it. Um, it's stuff that's been really helpful for us over the years. Um, but what we want to do is we want to pray over you. Um, just if, if you're married, if you're single, or you're in a relationship that's really struggling, it doesn't matter. Like this is like, it really is like being filled by Christ and the overflow of that making its way into how we treat the people that are around us. The enemy, I think, would love nothing better than to divide and destroy in our relationships and so that's why whether it's friendships as a believer or your marriage like that is why this is so important because if we're just living parallel of each other that's division that's not god's best for us so so can we pray for you father thank you that we just had this morning to be able to speak uh together gosh this is just really exciting for me we've never had the opportunity to do this before like this and so um, Father, I, I'm grateful for our time. Um, thank you for the, the wife that you've given me. Um, thank you that we get to do life together. Thank you for the couples that we have uh, that are in the room right now too, um, that are in good places in their marriage. Lord, we want to praise you for that. Um, but also for those who are in just tricky spots where they're filling this, this space of, man, it just feels like everything's a grind. Um, and uh, just trying to figure out how to do that and to get the joy back into their marriage. Um, I want to pray for them, Lord. I, I pray that um, if there was something that was helpful this morning, God, that you would take that and, and, and plant it deep into them that they would use. Father, but I pray that the foundational truth would be that they know in and of themselves that they were made in the image of God and they're complete and lacking nothing in him and that their mm-hmm. spouse is exactly the same, made in the image of God and in Christ there's nothing, they are complete and lacking nothing in him. And so I pray that that would be the foundation of every marriage in this room. But I also pray for the singles that are in the room whether it's single by choice or single by accident or single because nothing's happened yet. Lord, I want to pray uh, for them, Lord, that they would understand that they're not lacking something because they're not hitched yet. Um, But this is a season of life that you've given them so that they they might just fully invest in you, but also to invest in the marriages that are around them as well, um, to be encouraged by, to spend time with um, as well. Um, Yeah, Lord, you know. You know how that works. Help us, God, just to love one another with the love that you have poured into us. Help us remember that we don't have to produce any of this on our own, but you want to express your love and patience and kindness through us. I just, I pray for protection on every marriage in our family here. 
that the enemy would flee, that he would have no power to divide or to destroy or to distract anymore. I pray, God, that in Jesus' name, we would focus on truth and the eternal value of every relationship that we have. May all of them be used for your glory and used for us to depend more fully on you, for others to see who you really are. We thank you, God, so much for your love, for filling us and for giving us everything that we need for this life. Mm. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.